Jackson, what's up? Oh, you know, I just got a text message. Just uh, <laughs> looking at that. Text messages make you Minnesotan? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I started with sort of like a Texas Minnesotan. <laughs> <laughs> a cattle farmer in Minnesota. <laughs> cattle farmer, that's moving. Cattle rancher. Rancher. Oh, my roommate would be appalled. I used Paul. to call them a cattle farmer. They really? grew up on a cattle ranch, and yeah. they hated it when I called them that a farmer. That is true. Ranch, ranches and farms are... Well, and it's a, it's not even a ranch. It's a ranch. Ranch. A ranch. So is ranch the dressing and then ranch is... Ranch. I'm a cows. rancher. 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 Huh. And they, they, they didn't really even have the twang. It's just there were certain things that were pronounced with a, a kind of a twang. Yeah. Ranch. It's interesting. I, I think accents are super fascinating. And I've learned that I have one when mm. in coming to Oklahoma. But I had a roommate in college. John, if you ever listen to these, shout out to you. But um, from Philadelphia... And says stuff like rum. Rum? Yeah, as like, room. Like we're in the Hennessy Howard studio, which is a room in the powerhouse. Oh. Well, uh, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for uh, listening to our ramblings. Yes. And you have... If this uh, makes the final cut. Yeah. We'll des- <laughs> decided to join us again for more ramblings. Yes. Uh, it's good to be back again. Sorry for the months of absence, but uh, we're looking forward to this fall getting back on track yes yes we are so speaking of ramblings what are we rambling about today mr daniel today we are gonna ramble at you about spiritual practices for parents maybe not even spiritual practices spiritual things that we think parents should be aware of and consider when it comes to the spiritual life of them and their kids the family yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think we were just kind of talking about going back to school and just encouragement to parents. And as we kind of talked through through that, really came up with like a top five, really. Ish. Um, ish. Yeah, there might be more of them. Yeah. But uh, for, for the yeah, purposes yeah, of five. being nice and concise, we got exactly. top five um, spiritual things for parents to consider as the school year starts. Yes, Absolutely. And I think both of us want to say right out of the gates that this is not spoken from a place of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, success or proficiency uh, yeah, on our yeah. part as, as, as uh, you know, I've had a kid for 17 months, so I've got quite a lot to say to the rest of you out there. But and I've got uh, approximately three drop-off lines under my belt, so, <laughs> so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is this these are, are things that I think would be fair to say we ourselves are are in the midst of and wrestling with but but I do think that there are some principles that regardless of time spent in the parenting saddle to go back to our ranching ranching wrenching ranch 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 metaphor um I think are just true regardless of you know we can come back to so yeah that's where we're at Cool. Top five. Top five. I'll start off with number one. Yeah, please do. Num- and th- these are not ranked in any order. They're just no. five of them. Yes. So number one. Let me pick up my notes here. Don't forsake your spiritual well-being for your children's childhood. Mm. Children's childhood. Is that like correct tenses? Uh, for your child's children (laughs) child's children (laughs) for your children's hood yeah uh this this is a live podcast (laughs) and just what everyone's why i want to prove that that this is indeed coming to you live um is it live if it's recorded (laughs) a week later you know we are really (laughs) asking the important questions today aren't we uh, spiritual well-being your spiritual well-being is important it's yeah. important and yeah. um the reason i say this is uh, I, I had some really good discussions this summer with with parents of middle schoolers 
And I think that we all as parents, my parents included, um, me as a parent, we, we want to give our children a good childhood. You know, I know that that's not across the board for every person's experience growing up. Uh, and I want to, I want to acknowledge that too. So maybe that was not your experience growing up, but I think speaking in generalities, we, we want our children to have a good childhood and we, in order to do that and, and give them what we air quotes think is a good childhood, we, we, that can mean a lot of different things. But usually that means kind of our children's activities mm-hmm. and things that, mm-hmm. that they do. So it might be, um, for me, it was sports. We played lots of sports growing up. And so when that happens and you reach school age and you're playing multiple sports and you have multiple children, that means that you're going to baseball practice for one kid baseball practice for another child, soccer practice for the third child, and then maybe soccer practice for child A uh, after their baseball practice, and then you got multiple games per weekend, and you're, you're kind of navigating all those activities. Plus, yeah. there's birthday parties, plus there's, you know, Boy Scouts, and there's, um, you know, they're interested in engineering and so we want them to be in STEM club. Yeah. And like, so yeah. it's, it's support of interest. Chess club. Chess club, sure. Uh, Sorry, sound no, yeah. Um, but it, it's those are none of those are bad things. Yeah. They're great things, and I'm of the mind too. Of you know, Jessica and I, we want uh, our children to experience lots of different things and mm-hmm. try different things so that they can figure out what they like, uh, what their interests are, and then pursue that in a direction um, and then maybe come up with new interest and pursue something else. But when, when we do that and just kind of an observation of, of parents of teenagers at some point in, in your life as a parent, you start to have so many things that you are juggling at once that the whole schedule in order for it to be able to function it something has to give Mm -hmm. and what usually gives is the time that the parent spends working on their spiritual health so they might give up a sunday school class because they you know what get an hour without any kids and so it's a great time for mom and dad to go have a coffee together and reconnect, yeah. you know, yeah. cause we just don't get that during the week. Yeah. Not saying that that's a horrible thing, but look at what is being sacrificed, right? Mm-hmm. What yeah. else could yeah. be sacrificed so that you guys could go get a coffee and, you know, have, yeah. have, have that time to reconnect. Um, so it, a lot of times that, the, that is kind of the thing that happens. It, the other flip side of that is sometimes that it's, um, you know, we can't do everything at church either. So, you know, my kids are going to miss Wednesday night or Sunday school or, or something like that. Um, so it's just the where I'm not saying that we don't need rest recuperation and reconnection. I think we do, we do need that as, as, um, uh, spouses, we need that as parents to to give ourselves um, the ability to parent well. Mm-hmm. But it's what's coming off the plate for us to uh, be able to rest and recuperate and reconnect. Yeah, that that to me is where where it gets real scary because when we start parenting from a dry spiritual well, when we start right. to neglect our own spiritual health. Then we start to make not the best individual decisions, not mm-hmm. the best parenting decisions, because we're doing it of our own accord, and we're not doing it from a full cup. We're not doing right. it from the overflow. Yeah. And if we're never being fed, then we can't parent what I think is effectively. Yeah. 
And I think I, I totally agree. And just t- two passages of scripture that I would, I would jump to. And one is John 15. And <clears throat> this is a, a favorite of ours, a favorite of Steve Wilson, uh, one of the visitors and contributors on this podcast. Woot, but, woot. you know, I am the vine, says Jesus, and you are the branches. Abide in me, I will abide in you. And insofar as you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing, right? That's a paraphrase of John 15. But there's this idea that that if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not connected to Christ personally, then and the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of goodness. But what, is, you know, what does that look like as parents? Even the ability to, to love our kids, the, apparent, the ability to, I think, make the choices for how we want to organize our family life and what do we want to prioritize and, and how do we treat uh, our spouse? How do we treat our kids? I mean, all of those things are going to be impacted um, by our relationship with Christ. And and so I, th- I think that it is easy to get into rhythms and patterns where we feel like, and I think in some sense, it almost feels like the humble thing to do. Like, I'm going to take a hit so that my child can have X, Y, or Z, yeah. right? And it feels like a sort of a self-giving, a self-sacrificial thing. And, and I think there, you know, there, there can be a really sort of, I don't know, beautiful desire there, but we need to remember that we were created for connection with Christ and that we, again, like Jackson said, we can't, we can't serve. We can't love from a place of disconnection or emptiness ourselves. And so to remember that because we were created to run on Christ and created for relationship with Christ, pouring into that relationship. And, and I think, well, I I think for me, we'll, we'll hear the theme of trust in a few of these different things, but trusting that that time with Christ is actually going to help you to be a better parent um, is an important thing for me. The other verse that I was going to bring up is is First um, Corinthians thirteen, the passage on love, and this is one that is often asked for at weddings. And I always try to just remind couples that this is in the context of spiritual gifts, and it's in the context of Paul talking about the Spirit equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And that the the greatest of these gifts is love, and that all the other gifts that we might have are really worthless in a sense if we don't have love. But I think what's really important about that is that love is a gift, and and it's a gift of God, and it's a it's a spiritual gift to us that again we 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 can't really get apart from mm-hmm. our relationship with Christ. And so so we all want to love our kids, right? We want to love them well and we want to love our spouses, but to recognize that we can't do that apart from the spirit. We can't do that apart from a relationship with Christ. So it's not that the relationship with Christ is one of many things that we need for a healthy life. It is the foundation. It is the fountain from which we are able to live a healthy life and, and pour into our kids in the way that we want to. So just, yeah, want to throw that in there. Yeah, I think that that is really the crux of what I'm getting at is that you 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 can't do these things well apart from Christ. I think that yeah. we can give the illusion that we're doing it well or we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're doing it well. Yeah. But we we don't if we take a step back, we don't actually function properly without without we we are we we take care of and we 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 recognize that we need to take care of our mental health our emotional health a lot of the times those two things are tied tied in yeah. our physical health yet we completely neglect our spiritual health yeah and a lot of times when we talk about those four things the people that talk about those four things we look at them as like really hippy dippy because they're not necessarily seeking God for the spirituality. It's just seeking spirituality as what fills my soul. And not to say that you can't have a walk in the woods to Mm -hmm. fill your soul. I mean, I think that anyone that's had a nice walk in the woods knows that that fills your soul, right? Yeah. Um, Or it can. Maybe it doesn't for everyone. Um, But we, we don't often speak about how are we doing spiritually Mm -hmm. how are we actually 
doing in our spiritual health. Yeah. We just neglect it completely and it becomes atrophied. Yeah. And at, at that point, it again, we're not dualist. Whatever happens to us in our mm-hmm. spirit comes out in our emotions, comes out in our mentality, comes out in our physical health as well. I think, mm-hmm. I think there is a lot to be said about our physical health being tied to our spiritual yeah. health. Yeah. Um, as well as our mental health and our emotional health. Yeah. So um, that would be my one of my encouragements in that. And the, the second piece to that, I think, is that we miss out on a huge practical opportunity to crowdsource parenting tips. Hmm. If, if we're doing life with other parents, and maybe maybe yeah. taking care of our spiritual uh, our spiritual health is not tied in with other parents. Maybe we're in a Sunday school class where that's, um, uh, we're not in it with other parents, you know, mm-hmm. um, Jess and I kind of found ourselves in the limbo that we were either going to be like significantly the younger, youngest parents, or we were going to be kind of on the front end of a lot of yeah. our, our yeah. friends. Yeah. Right. Um, but so you might kind of find yourself there that you're not really in crowdsourced with other parents, but that's a real, I think, practical thing is that your teenager's gonna be hard to parent i think anybody that's parented a teenager which i have not yet but i've been around a lot of parents of yeah. teenagers yeah and 90 percent of them agree that this is hard yes that parenting teenagers <laughs> is difficult yes and parenting them to with the goal of having them grow to come to know love and serve jesus as lord is um, really difficult to do. Yeah. And so a lot of parents come to me with solutions for things and I, I do my best. And I, uh, but the thing is, is I'm not a parent of a teenager. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what that's like and I'm happy to give what advice I can give. But the best advice I borrow from other parents that have walked through some things yeah. um, and kind of what they found success in but a lot of parents don't tell me what they've been successful at, mm. you know, or the things that are hard, but now we're not dealing with that because we found this solution. I don't get that information all the time because yeah. it's not like, red alert, we're at Def- DEFCON 10, this yeah. is an emergency. Yeah. That's usually when parents come and talk to me. And and unless there's a resolution that kind of comes out of our brainstorming, I don't know anything. So it's great to get parents together to... Um, kind of crowdsource the parenting information, but also just to surround each other and each other's kids in prayer. Yeah. Because if anything else, even if you get no solutions out of mm-hmm. a parenting issue or a parenting problem or, a, you know, whatever situation your teenager finds yeah. himself in, the best thing that we can do is be praying for one another and be praying for each other's children. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, that's absolutely. But no, I, th- I think that's important that the spiritual well-being is there's an individual quote-unquote aspect to that. And then there's also a communal aspect to that and, and plugging in in both of those, both of those capacities um, is, is important. Yeah. And I, I think that this is something where there's sort of a practical, I don't think there's a one size fits all, you know, you, you got to do devos this way. You got to, you know, um, we'll talk about one practice that we think is really, really important, but, um, even, you know, sit down and read your Bible half an hour every day. I mean, I think audiobooks are great. You can audiobook the Bible. Um, if you're driving places, if you have commutes, um, if you go for runs, if you do workouts, I mean, I think there are lots of different places and ways to, um, to kind of engage in some of these practices. But I think thinking and deciding this is a priority, for me then allows us to say, okay, how, how can I make this happen? Right. But if it's not a priority, then we're never going to make that happen. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So that's number one. Number two? Number two. About number two? Yeah. Let's do it. So this, uh, the phrase here is that more is caught than taught. And I at least stole this from Dr. Jamie Smith. He's a, philosopher, theologian, sociologist from Calvin College. 
and uh, I don't know if it's original to him, but but I think it's a. I I I, I like this. I like the sentiment. The more is caught than taught, and yeah. and really this just speaks to the importance of of modeling. And uh, this is not um, the misattributed statement that we should, you know, serve God and use words when necessary. That's misattributed to Francis of Assisi. Never said that, um, and I wouldn't say is even true. But <laughs> so it's not that. But it's just it's it's speaking to the reality and the importance and the power of modeling as parents mm-hmm. um, that kids see, kids pay attention, and kids are are learning from you whether you know it or not. And so the things that we model as parents, and that can be the the life of faith and, and what we prioritize. It can be how we, again, how we treat them, how we treat one another, how we talk about colleagues at work, how we treat our spouse. Um, are we kind? Are we forgiving? Are we gossipy? Are we, I mean, um, do we, how much are we on our phone? <laughs> and do we say we want family time, but then we're always away on work calls and business or, you know, do we, um, say we don't want you to be on screens, but then we're always on our screens. I mean, like whatever it is, there are lots of things that we can model that, that are good, that are bad, that are sort of in between. And, and our kids pick up on that. I think that's, that's just the sort of the, the big idea there. Yeah. And I, and like you said that, I think that this is really where rubber meets the road with theology is is our theology practiced because i think a lot of times we can know what we should do and yet we don't do them yeah or we we i mean it's kind of like eat right and exercise we know that that's yeah like good for us and that's something that we should all be doing yet are we doing it yeah is not really and it and i think i think that you make a good thing that more is caught than taught because a lot of times we focus on the things that kind of make us feel guilty you know and say Mm -hmm. well i'm not doing this or i'm not doing this but the same applies to the things that you are doing yeah right that that could be positive or could be negative so it could be just as easy as stop doing something yeah. And you mentioned phones. I think that's a real practical one. Parents really I, complain. I struggle with that. <laughs> oh, I, I've noticed how much uh, Jess and I are on our phones too. And I'm thinking my 18-month-old already knows how to get to the camera on both of our phones and start <laughs> yeah. taking pictures. And it's so intuitive to her, but it's also something that she sees. Yeah. And she really wants our phone all the time because yeah. she sees mom and dad on the phone. Yeah. Um, so we have to really be careful in what we're modeling. There's one parent that comes to mind on this who was seeking some advice on how to get their child into scripture Mm. and wanted them to be in scripture, but couldn't force them to. And I asked you, okay, well, do you do a Devo? They said, yes, I do. I, I get up in the morning and I help them get ready for school. And then when they go out the door, I open my Bible and mm-hmm. I do my Devo. And that's a great, wonderful time and not one that I want to like take away from that person. Yeah. But I said, you know what? She, your your daughter has no idea that you're reading the Bible. She has, yeah. I mean, do you talk about it? She's like, well, you know, I might say, um, ask her if she's been in her Devos or yeah. whatever. But... Um, there was no, it was something that the, that the parent was doing what I would say, right. But that's still not actually being modeled to the, yeah. to the child. Yeah. And so yeah. it's missed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we can, we can have good intentions and we can, we can want, even if it's like I, I, another parent um, comes to mind where it was like, Hey, dad just shut themselves in the room. We're not going to ask him questions right now because he's doing his Ignatian exercises. Mm. Yeah. So he's doing his spiritual practice right now. Don't bother him. Yeah. And it's not that we don't ever want, like that we want to not let our kids have access to us, but 
that also says that this is important. This is an important time for dad, for mom to to go do this. Well, why why does why can't I talk to dad now? Well, yeah. he's got to feed himself spiritually, and this is yeah. what he's doing to feed himself spiritually. Yeah. Um, so that even right there speaks volumes to what's important and what's not important. Yeah. Um, just by by actions, and sometimes we can be doing the important things but it's unseen. Mm-hmm. And I think of scripture there and there's a kind of a tension there because we are called to do some of these things and have them remain unseen and yeah. not let our right hand Don't know right what our left hand's doing between, and yeah. close the door and, and pray, um, uh, pray by yourself and not in front of the crowds like the heathens do. And, yeah. you know, but if you're living in a, you know, one, one room house in Nazareth, then, your whole family's going to see that. They're going to see, it, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, I don't think that it's it, it's a charge for us to to be completely um, guarded from everyone and what we're doing in yeah. our in our spiritual lives, but um, that it's something that we do want to model to our children. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and again, I think there's there's lots of ways to to do this. Um, the book Sticky Faith, which we've talked about from time to time, not necessarily on this podcast, but at the, at the church is, is, I think has a lot of good, it's a, it's a, it's a great book. A sticky faith is a great book, a great resource. And, but they talk about, you know, modeling, whether it's, you know, service and, um, you know, what does your family do or what do you as parents do by way of, of service? And do you, you know, bring your kids along with that? Um, this would be one where I, I sort of, I think I grew up as a, you know, pastor's kid in a small church. So that's sort of cheating, but <laughs> it meant that I was at the church a ton and I got to help set up for Sunday mornings and take down or clean bathrooms, or we'd have like work projects where we'd paint the building and I was there. And, and I think that there were some really beautiful opportunities for me to see my parents. And then what was really cool, I think was to see other people in the church too, serving and engaged in sort of the larger community of faith. And that was influential on me as a small kid to see, man, these people are taking their Saturday and, you know, helping out and, and sort of giving, giving and serving in this way. That's pretty cool. Um, So I will interject kind of back into my, my point. I think that's a great point, but just skipping back. Yeah. If you're reading your Bible on your phone, stop doing that not because bibles on your phone are bad but your Mm. kids interpret it as you're just on your phone yeah and so if you are actually pulling a bible from the shelf and reading it then they can now have that visual connection that mom or dad is actually spending time in the bible um which is which is huge um because they they just need to they need to see it right yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to, and I think this is a form of modeling, but asking kids, hopefully after church, after Sunday school, after Awana, or just, you know, what, what are you learning? Mm. Uh, what did you learn today? Sharing. I, I think sh- the importance of, of sharing as a parent and not just asking. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's easier oftentimes for us as parents to maybe ask questions of kids. Um, and then we never actually share, you know, well, I was reading this morning in whatever and yeah. thought about this or, yeah, you know, this spoke to me from the sermon this morning or whatever it is, but, but modeling and even, you know, I, I, again, like making conversations around faith normative in the house. I mean, academics talking about school, that's normal. That's not a surprise when you ask kids about that mm-hmm. and when they, you know, work, I'm sure is probably normal talking about family, like just, you know, it doesn't need to necessarily be the only thing you're talking about, but, but make it normal, make it normal to talk about faith and talk about God and talk about that relationship. I, I think that would be my encouragement. It, that's huge. We took a um, poll, an informal poll in our middle school, Sunday school last year. And out of 28 kids, Three of them had had a conversation about faith with somebody, an adult in their household, 
or adult in their family um, in the last two weeks. <clears throat> Three out of yeah. 28. And I also understand that um, middle schoolers don't always have the best concept of time. So it's yeah. kind of a skewed poll. But yeah. the idea for them is that as far back as I can remember, mm-hmm. no one's ever talked to me about this. We yeah. haven't had a conversation about this. And I yeah. also realized that sometimes we can be having conversations <laughs> with yeah. students about things and then they're just not uh, quite uh, hitting the mark and it's not yeah. quite connecting. I, no, like I'm in, sympathetic. You know, marriage, like, we talked about this last week. No, we didn't. Are you sure? I think we talked about yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. But right. the, if we're, if not we're doing it at all with some semi-frequency, then we're going to have some blip on the radar. Yeah. There, right. Exactly. And so yeah. the idea is that there's zero blip on the radar. And so we, there's no discussion about the Bible. There's no discussion about the child's spiritual health. There's zero discussion about the parents' spiritual health and what they're doing. Yeah. And I don't think that these parents aren't modeling things to them. I think that they are, um, which is is good. And like we say, more is caught than taught. And maybe yeah. they'll catch more as they develop yeah. more. But I think it's important to explain what's happening as well and yeah. actually have these conversations. Because yeah. if we want to create a space for... Um, as they launch and become adults for them to to come back to and process things through the lens of faith, mm-hmm. then uh, they're going to come back to you and process all sorts of things on how do I make a mortgage payment to how, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I need to buy yeah. a new washer and dryer. Do you yeah. have any suggestions on that? To, you know, I kind of am having a really hard time trusting God with this situation. Mm. Isn't that a conversation that we want to have with our kids? I don't know about you listener, but I know that that's a conversation that I want to have with my kids when they're adults. And if I don't start now, then we're not really ever going to get to that place. Um, So, so having those conversations, even speaking into problems with friendships and saying, you know what, is this a place where you can trust God? Mm. What is God calling you to do in this friendship? Yeah. Um, I think of such a problem that we have in uh, Christianity in kind of cultural Christianity is that we don't let our ideas and what we have learned about Jesus and about mm. the Bible permeate to knowing mm. who God is and how that affects my life yeah. and how yeah. that translates yeah. into how I live my life. It's more facts about who God is instead of knowing who mm. God is, right? Yeah. Because um, when we know who God is, that changes what we do. Yeah. Whereas yeah, a lot of times we can have facts about God and it doesn't change anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Not a smooth transition, but <laughs> that's the no. Point. But I think yeah. Well, and I think you know we we said more is caught than taught, and I feel like we've been kind of saying you need to teach as well as <laughs> a model. But I think it doesn't that, say don't teach. Yeah, it doesn't say don't teach, and and I think that's like you know part of this is that part of modeling is talking right like part of modeling the faith is talking about the faith because by that you're modeling that it's important that it's important to you that it's something that has begun to shape your life or that you want to shape your life and and so it's not like these two are separate separate things but i think you know if you're if you're quote unquote teaching that god should be the priority in your life but then you're modeling that work and sports and school and uh, 401k and you know my Roth IRA and like that that is what I the only things that I talk about or that I'm focused on or that I ask my kid about then you're modeling something that's different than what you're teaching Mm. and what's going to be caught and and what's going to be internalized by the kid I guarantee you 99% of the time is going to be what you're modeling not what you're teaching Mm. Because that's what they're going to see, and that's what they're going to then understand. Like, well, that's actually what's important. Yeah. Um, and I think best case scenario, they'll just kind of go with that and think, well, this is also important, but this is the most important. And worst case scenario, they'll be like, eh, those things don't really add up. Yeah. Those aren't really compatible. So which one am I going to choose? And I think again, that's often follow what we model, not necessarily what we teach and, and that's maybe a little harsh but i i just i think that's often i don't think that that's harsh i think that that is the life of faith and 
even there, if we don't model with consistency, it opens the door for a conversation to say, hey, look, I'm a sinner and broken, and right. I want right. this yeah. to be my priority, yeah. and I'm not modeling that it's my priority, but... Yeah. I think the most powerful change or the most powerful things that I've heard from students is when they've seen their parents change in a tangible way. Yeah. And they don't, and this happened in my life yeah. too. Yeah. It's, and it's part of my story is, is mm-hmm. the kind of that leap from elementary school to middle school. My parents go on a mission trip and then all of a sudden things change in the house. We didn't talk yeah. about it, but things change. Yeah. Right. And you picked up on it. And, and I picked up on it and it's kind of like, why, mm-hmm. what, what actually when it wasn't until I was an adult that I figured out, oh, that's the Holy Holy Spirit yeah. were at work in my parents that that changed them. Yeah. And it just would have been so much more helpful if they would have said something. <laughs> but I also, on the other hand, realized too when God is changing us personally as people, as He is as He's changing our spirit and giving us a new heart, that that's not something that we're like necessarily prepared to talk about. And I and we're not. Yeah we're better at talking about it in hindsight, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's easier. Or it's really uncomfortable to share my shortcomings to my children. Yeah. Right? But yeah. it's important. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you lay every sin to bear with them. <laughs> but if there's a teachable moment there, yeah. you can speak from experience and you can give testimony to what God has done in your life. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. That's huge. They're not having to rely on some guest speaker coming in at the youth, uh, yeah. you know, fall retreat or something, giving a testimony. They can hear how God's actually been at work in your financial life, changing your financial yeah. priorities. Yeah. Like that, that's why you don't get these shoes anymore. We used yeah. to buy these shoes and now we're going to go do this because we've decided to make a commitment to, with our money in a different yeah. way. Totally. Um, I had something else to say, but I can't remember. So go take it away, Dan. Well, can I can I jump from this? This is please jump to number five on our list. Okay, because I, I think that this lends itself. So number five on our list, and again, we said this is not necessarily in any particular order. Is just so it the could idea be number three. This is gonna be number three. Yeah, um, is the idea of grace? Because I think, and the importance of grace, and the importance of grace for kids having grace for your kids and then also having grace for yourself as the parent because i think that as you're for your spouse as or a parent for, or for your spouse yes exactly but i think that as you as you're talking that that theme just was kind of popping into my mind of it's okay to we, we will fail right um i can't remember what book i was reading i think it was uh maybe it was the anatomy of the soul um but it's talking about the impact and, and sort of parents understanding their kids. And there's this, all this, all this stuff we're learning about neuroscience and the impact of parents on kids from an early age. Oh, that reminds me of what I was going to say, but continue. Yeah. And, and the statistic was that basically 50% of the time, even really good parents like miss the cues, like they miss what their child is trying to say or what their child needs or, like 50% of the time we fail as parents is, is essentially what, at least that's what, that, that was like my, baseball my, players. We're, we're like really high average baseball players. <laughs> um, but to me, that's, you know, that's really encouraging, right? Because that's, that's normative. That's not like, well, you're a terrible parent because you messed up 50% of the time. It's like, Hey, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, and just to recognize that, that God works in the midst of our failures and God works in the midst of our inadequacy. That's always, always how God works. There's really no other way for God to work because we're broken and flawed and sinful. So, um, you know, all of this hopefully is by way of encouragement, not by way of condemnation. It's not a standard of perfection to which we must seek to ascend by our own strength. And it's just, principles that we that are important and and then another principle is grace and and recognizing that we will um fail and fall and fall short and and i think then having grace for ourselves when we don't get it right not feeling like we've gone down a path so far that we can't change and go down a different path 
Um, I think that's often the way of sin. We, we take one step down the path of sin and then we get to a place and we feel like, well, I've already gone this far. Like wh- what's, what's the point? Can I, you know, and I think the, the grace of the gospel is that reminder that when we turn back, Christ is right there. And it's not like we have to run a long way stuff. He's running after us yeah. just like the you know father and Luke, Luke 15. But, uh, where's it going with that? Grace. Yeah. Have grace and have grace for your kids. Yeah. I think that it's important to, to model grace for your children. Now, I don't want to be misconstrued here because I do think that, that consequences are important. Right. And I think, but I I think that we've talked about this before on the podcast is that, that maybe we didn't, maybe we talked about it in Sunday school. But there are consequences for our actions, yet God still extends grace, right? Yeah. In the midst of that. We see that in the person of David. Major screw up at certain points in his life. Like, not just like once and not just like real bad, but a whole lot of times in a pattern of screw ups really bad over a yeah. length of period of time. Yet, God lets him suffer the natural consequences of his decisions and of his choices yeah. and simultaneously can make the proclamation that this is a man after God's own heart, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. so that there's something in his earnestness, there's something where David really does seek God even in his failures and in yeah. his mistakes. So God's grace is extended to David in many tangible ways and in an ultimate way of, of even though you have sinned against me and you've sinned against my people, David, that um, we still recognize that David's mistakes were not a condemnation to mm-hmm. him, but God's yeah. grace was extended to him, right? Yeah. And I think, oh, oh, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think what I think about, I, I think it's easy, and, and I've, I think I, I, I've seen this. I've seen this with friends. I've, I think I've seen this with with youth throughout the years. But, um, and and no, it was not meant as a condemnation on any particular parents. But I think it's easy. Sometimes there's the sense that there's sort of no need for grace. That um, there's such a amount of of license or even honestly like naivete on the part of the parents that they have no idea what their kids are doing and there's no room for, for grace or there's no sort of quote unquote need for grace and the kids Mm -hmm. are just doing whatever they're doing. Um, and then I've also seen, um, an, an extreme form of, of legalism that just kind of came down with crushingly hard blows on any toe out of line and, and what I saw from the kids, particularly in that context, and some of these were friends of mine growing up, is that they're, what that did was to make the parents a place of um, danger, in a sense, and not a place of trust. Yeah. And so as things came up, in both of those instances, I, was, I would say the parents were not the people that those kids wanted to talk to. Yeah. Um, when, when challenges came up in their lives, when there was something that was going on in their life or, or even, you know, if, if they were, you know, practically like out partying or something like that, their parents, not the person that they're going to call and admit like, Hey, this happened and this thing went too far and I need help. Right. It was the youth leader who they had learned to trust and they learned would like, be there for them who they were calling, you know, and their parents might never know about it. And I, and I think that that, that doesn't, I mean, some of that's teenagers and figuring out who am I and my parents right. and differentiating, but like, I don't think that has to happen. I, I think that part of what grace allows for, I think grace a recognizes that there is something that needs grace. So like <laughs> grace, like, is right there with truth. It recognizes that there's something that needs grace, but then it, it allows for a place for the, for kids to come to, to know that whatever happens and whatever conversations need to be have, I'm still loved. I still belong in this family and my parents are still for me and with me. Right. Um, and so they are safe, even if I know I'm going to get 
disciplined. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that to me is part of the, the, the gift of grace is it's um, creating space for your kids to fail and still know that they are loved, even if they're going to get grounded. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that you're right. And I think that that's what we're trying to do is as parents too. And I don't think, I think grace is so difficult for us to grasp the grace of our father through the person of Jesus Christ is so hard for us to grasp that there's no way that we're going to be able to parent with grace well (laughs) all the time. Absolutely. And that's where giving grace to yourself is going to be huge as, as well. And I think that we're not going to be able to navigate when do we hold fast to this and when do we show grace to this if we're not in God's word and we're not mm-hmm. in community and we're, how am I going to respond? I, that's the biggest thing for me, even with a toddler. I get I'm not talking about, I usually talk about teenagers. Now I'm talking about a toddler. Yeah. And, and well, I have a toddler and a four-year-old and, it goes for both is that so often I want to react out of a space of frustration Mm. and because you're not towing the line or you're not doing what I've asked you to do. And you need to learn that when someone asks you to do this, specifically your parents, that it will, you know, be obeyed. Right. Yeah. And I'm coming across like super hardcore and I'm not as hardcore as I'm coming across. But at the same time, that's kind of the desire. And that's where I uh, respond from. And it's never a good response when I respond from that frustration, right? But when I respond from a place of sternness, patience, a place kind of where I'm a little, uh, they can tell I'm a little fed up with the repeated behavior, but I'm also coming at it from a place of this is going to be beneficial for you in the long run, and it's not about me and my frustration, mm. then it's way more effective parenting. Yes. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so at least that's my my perception. And, and it allows me to be way more patient with... Yeah. Um, with my children and I get way better um, results from them, not necessarily in that moment, Mm -hmm. but later on down the line because they are understanding more of why we don't do this and why dad gets so frustrated with this and why that hurts mom and why we should be nice to our sister and our brother, right? They don't have I, a brother, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there's there's sort of some, you know, turn the other cheek. Uh, though we actually are at a stage where Edmund's like, whack, whack, whack. Oh, and we're like, no. can't do that. Um, but you, you want to retaliate, right? I mean, like, I think our natural reaction, even as parents, is to, you did this. I'm going to do that, you know, and I have more clout than you do, whatever that is. Uh-huh. You know, I can shout louder or I can make the consequences of your action far worse than the consequences, you know, that were for me. But, and that's sort of that patience, that turning the other cheek, be like, I'm going to be the adult here. I'm the one, I am an adult. <laughs> I am the one with maturity and self-awareness. I am in control of my body. I am in control of my words. Um, maybe not my thoughts, but I'm at least in control of my, like, how I respond and, but then again, this all goes back to the first thing of being our spiritual well-being. Yeah. Um, are we connected to the vine? Are we? Because you can't do that well if you're drawn from an empty well. Yeah. You cannot do come from a place of of providing your child what they need in a way that they need it when we're dry and empty. Yeah. Nothing good comes from that. Like we're we're told that we shouldn't operate in any other uh, uh, space in the world when we're hungry, uh, angry, tired, tired lonely, lonely, yeah, lonely, halt. tired, halt. yeah, halt, yeah. right. And 
we describe, uh, apart from angry, we describe our spiritual nature hmm. with all of those things. I'm spiritually hungry. I'm spiritually yeah. lonely. I'm spiritually yeah. tired. Yeah. And we might be spiritually angry. Yeah, we, <laughs> might, we could be spiritually angry, yeah. right? I'm not one that uh, chooses to ever wield the wrath of God because I don't yeah. really trust myself to yeah. uh, have a, a just anger because yeah. uh, my experience with my own anger is not just. Um, but But if we apply that to our spirit... You know, why are we wanting to operate from from a place of hangriness <laughs> spiritually, yeah. not just physically? We don't, we don't have to be hangry, right? Yeah. Um, what time do you? Yeah, I kind of need, need to go do the parent thing here in a sec. Uh, I got like I got a f- five minutes, maybe ten. Perfect. Let's, let's yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Right. We got two more two. points. <laughs> Or do we have one more point? Well, we have two more points. We have two more points. Okay, the next one, that means we're on number four. Two and a half minutes on each. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Um, and we've kind of covered this. I yeah. think everything can kind of be covered in that it's more caught than taught. Yeah. Um, but worship with consistency. Yes. Um, and the reason that that is huge is that it's just modeling that this is important. I think I've had this conversation with many youth they're like, why did my mom always makes me go to worship or my dad always, my family makes me come down to worship and I learn things in Sunday school, but I don't really learn anything from a sermon or in, sorry, Ouch. Dan, yeah, no. <gasps> uh, I don't really get anything out yeah. of the, the service or whatever. So I might as well just like do something different and I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I totally agree with your parents. Mm-hmm. And the point of worship is not really even to learn that's not the point worship is a posture that we have towards god yeah we are there to present ourselves to god and to make this a priority and i think so often we go into worship wanting to receive something yeah and it's like consumerist mentality that's not the point of worship the whole point of worship is to give god our best and to give god our time and submit to him and come to him humbly and 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 to 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 be with him to honor him in a carved out portion of time yeah right and i'm just talking about worship as in like going to worship yeah like sunday morning service i'm not talking about i know that we can worship in all sorts of different ways and and all that stuff i'm talking about actually carving out time in your day to get in your car or walk to a church yeah. And sit and be with God yeah. in his house. Yes. I understand that we can worship outside of yeah. God's house and all that. But yeah. it's important to make it a practice to go be in God's house, be in his presence. And it's not really even for us. I think that we do receive things in worship because God is so good. This is a time that we give to him yet in his mercy, in his grace. He gives to us in that time. Yeah. When that's not even what the point of it is, yeah. right? Yeah. So even if we're gaining nothing, quote unquote, we're gaining nothing from going to worship, it's modeling that God is important. Yes. That this life of faith is important, and it's yeah. way more important than whatever else is happening. Yeah. And I get, I see parents a lot that will come to church and it's like, well, hey, where's Johnny or mm-hmm. Susie or Sally? Yeah. You know, insert kid's name here. Yeah. It's like, well, they didn't really want to get out of bed today. And I just don't want to force them to come because I don't want them to hate church. I don't want them to hate coming to church and dread mm-hmm. coming to church. And that just makes me so sad because every if you walk through the entire life of parenting your child and they don't push back coming to church, then you are blessed. Okay. With yeah. a very abnormal child. Yeah. They're going to push back. And usually the, that parent says, my parents made me come to church and I hated it. And I don't mm-hmm. want them to feel that way. And I want them to make their own decision. And it's like, well, your parents made you come to church. And now as an adult, you're here. 
and they're not. And when they yeah. become an adult, they're going to say, that actually wasn't all that important because yeah. mom didn't make me go or dad didn't make me go. I'm not want to put that all on mom. Yeah. You know, dad didn't make <laughs> me <Mom's. laughs> go. Yeah. They made me my broccoli. So I should eat, you know, and they yeah. made me play basketball, even though I didn't like it. So I should yeah. exercise, but church, eh, they yeah. didn't make me do it. Must yeah. not be that important. That's the message that gets sent. Maybe not yeah. in that on that Sunday, but yeah, gets sent as a general, later on in, yeah. in life. And I, I totally agree with that, Jackson. And, and, and again, I, I think that just also when we come to church, we should, I think, believe we are invited to believe that God moves and that God works and that God is present. And so even if our youth kid, whatever, doesn't want to come, are we going to put more weight on that adolescence desires or on the ability of God to act and to move and to change those desires? Right. I mean, I, I think that I feel like, I feel like I'm tempted to say harsh things, but I feel like it betrays like a lack of trust in God in some sense. You can cut that out. If you think that's too harsh. Um, that we're all guilty of from time to time, but but, and I think it's because we we don't always expect God to do anything in worship. We don't always expect to actually encounter the living God in worship. Which is funny because uh, I just encouraged them that you know that's not the point. Well, no, and I, <laughs> yeah, and I totally agree with you though. Yeah. We are coming to present ourselves to God, yeah, but sure. to the living God who is present, mm-hmm. right? And and that's, um, and so I think there's there's an act of trust and faith in that too. That, um. And in some sense, it's that just that act of obedience. When we are obedient, when we are doing the things that God has called us to do, that we put ourselves in God's hands to act. And it's not something that we can like, again, we can't drum up for our child a passion for God, but we do have a responsibility, I think, to to bring our students to the place where God has promised to meet us and to act upon them, Right. It's God who's going to act. God who's going to change the human heart. But we are invited. We have the responsibility of doing that, which in our with which is within our power to bring ourselves and our families into His presence. I echo that. I also do have to go do the parenting thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go pick up my child from school. Okay, perfect. Um, so if you want, you can totally hit number five out of the park and uh perfect clo- close us I'll down or <laughs> <laughs> or we can just end it and it was presented to you as top five and we gave yeah. you top four i'll just say my, my 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 fifth one is tithing because i think giving money is a tangible act of trust and we need a regular tangible act of trust to remind us that we are not our own and that we live not by self-sufficiency but by god's grace so Give away your money to God. It's Boom. his. All of it. All. <laughs> it's all his. I mean, if you if, if God's calling you to yeah, give it all yeah. away. But um, it's hard to part with money. I hear so many people say, I can't tithe right now. I got to get my finances sorted. Other way around. I know it's hard. Start tithing first. Yeah. Trust God. Yeah. That's my encouragement. <laughs> i know it's super hard yeah yeah dan that sounds great uh, i'll do that one <laughs> thanks for listening yeah <laughs> bye be encouraged <laughs> the school's starting it's another school year you're doing everything wrong <laughs> i'm just kidding oh man you're not you give yourself awesome. grace yeah grace bounds amen do, 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 do. Do, yeah take it away eric We've butchered this one. We'll talk at you next week. Yeah. If we have any listeners after this. <laughs> 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 <laughs>